0: Gar and I, as as we sit here together and and talk about this, we we understand accountability. And we are accountable for what this team did this year we don't run away from it we accept it Uh, that's that's on us
1: locked on bulls part of the locked on podcast network a show for the most passionate fan base in the nba your number one source for chicago bulls news and stories for me to be here in the nba organization such a historic organization that chicago bulls so it's just a dream come true for me live on dash radio every tuesday thursday and saturday
0: This is going to be a process. It doesn't, you don't snap your fingers and it all happens at once, but um, that's the plan moving forward.
1: So kick back, relax, and get ready for the best hour of your day. Locked on Bulls starts now. Here are your hosts, Jordan Malley and Matt Peck. What's up
2: and welcome into Locked on Bulls, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. My name is Jordan Malley, along with Matt Peck. Live on Dash Radio, radio Radio.com, Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central Time. Follow us on social media, at LockedOnBulls, at Bulls underscore Peck, and at Jordan C. Malley. Like us on Facebook, Facebook facebook.com, search Bulls. like our official site, to keep up to date with all of our content and all of our brand new episodes as they come out. If you don't like using Twitter... um, Give us a five-star review anywhere you find podcasts, iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Google Play. Subscribe to the show. Give us a five-star review if you'd like. So, Matt, we're back here after having an in-depth discussion yesterday. And I hope you guys enjoyed that episode where we broke down all the Western Conference teams and sort of their interest in not only Nico Miritich, but maybe some other pieces like Robin Lopez and Justin Holiday. But before we get into the rumors that came out just as our episode was ending yesterday about Nico and Utah and potential interest there, Let's touch on the game last night. So the Bulls hosted the Rockets at home. The Bulls didn't pull out a win. It was a loss, 116-107 to 107 to the Rockets. A James Harden-less Rockets team still pulled out a win against the Bulls. And uh, can we just talk about how they attempted 54 three-pointers in this game?
0: Yeah, it's crazy. They actually made one more three-point field goal than two-point field goals. I'm pretty sure I saw a stat that the the rockets went 20 of 54 from downtown made 19 two-pointers so they made more three-pointers than two-pointers which even for these rockets team which is all about harden and the three-point shooters around him is pretty freaking crazy
2: yeah between i mean between chris paul and eric gordon both had 24 points last night Chris Paul was able to get it done without his buddy James Harden. I mean, this shouldn't be a surprise for a Rockets team that's 28-11 and 11 and only lost five games on the road so far. So the Rockets have been really good on the road. And for the Bulls, I mean, getting out to that 13-point deficit after the first quarter really killed them. I think bringing it back to five point, within five points at the half, the Bulls just didn't have enough in the tank to pull off a win here, which is, honestly, it's totally fine with me. Um, Nico Miritich, still out with sickness, so he didn't play in this game. That could have been a factor there, but the Bulls tried to draw back late in this game, but just didn't have enough. Um, one player that I thought had sort of a bounce back game from an offensive standpoint was Denzel Valentine. We talked about him on the episode yesterday. He had 19 points, 8 rebounds, and 5 assists. Um, nights that he's knocking down three-pointers, obviously he's going to have an uptick in offense, and it's going to look a little bit better. But what, like we talked about yesterday, nights that he is not knocking down his shot, his defense is exposed, and he looks almost unplayable
0: yeah i swear jordan i think denzel listens to our locked on bulls (laughs) shows because it seems like every time you and i knock him or question his you know his ability to play at the nba level his ceiling in this league his role on this bulls team right now he goes out and has a good game so i mean maybe that's it maybe we just need to every once in a while just say hey denzel you've been you know you've been slacking a little bit you're not showing us what you what we want to see from you and maybe you know we'll continue to see games like this from Denzel you're right i mean he was a bright spot for the bulls on a night when not a whole lot went well for them i mean even as you said like without mvp candidate harden this one was Really not as close as the final score indicated. Like the Rockets, you said, kind of left the door open a little bit, but the Bulls had a really ugly start to the fourth quarter. I think they started the fourth quarter like one or two for for eight from the field and and had a couple of bad turnovers to start that final frame. So that kind of allowed it to get away from them. but. Uh, done. not a bad night, 19 points on 9-20 to 20 shooting, eight assists to one turnover. He'd had a couple back-to-back games with four turnovers, so a nice job by him cutting those down. And then another strong game from Bobby Portis off the bench. You think maybe he really wanted to capitalize on the absence of Nico, who, as you said, was out with that stomach illness, because as soon as Portis checked into this game, he started jacking up shots, which is something that we're not necessarily – yeah, uh, un- unaccustomed to seeing from Bobby, the guy shoots confidently and he shoots often. Uh, last night against Houston, nine of seventeen, uh, even got to the free throw line a few times. Finishes with twenty two points. So really, Portis Dunn and Valentine were the highlights in this loss.
2: Yeah, no, we keep highlighting Chris Dunn and Larry Markkinen and. Maybe some of these like David Waba too, but I think the real story here, and I think that's being left undone, just because of everything that happened with Bobby and Nico, is Bobby Portis's play. Like, like we had said over the win streak that Bobby Portis was playing at the highest level that he that we've seen in a Bulls uniform, and he's kind of extended that. I think, and I, I think it's a legitimate now. It's a legitimate conversation to have that Bobby Portis could be a part of a team, you know, in a rotation, not saying that he could start or anything, but coming off the bench and being productive. I mean, he's showing it and like in just averaging just around 20 minutes a night, he's scoring almost 12 points a game and putting up seven rebounds. And that's something that you want for Portis off the bench. Just in January alone, he's shooting over 50% 50 from the field and he's shooting 43% from three. So if Bobby Portis can turn into this guy coming off the bench, being that stretch four once if Nico gets moved, and be that stretch four that can knock down three-point shots is what kind of what his draw was coming out of college. We saw a little bit of that in his rookie year. If he could be that guy and put up you know anywhere between 15 to 20 points a night or even eclipse double digits and then tossing some rebounds in there too, I mean, this could be a piece that the Bulls could work with, and I don't think he's getting enough credit for the the game he's played over the last six weeks.
0: I I think you're right, and you know as you said, and we'll be talking about this uh, in another segment later on in today's show. But if the Bulls do in fact move Nico, and there is even more of an opportunity, a a larger window there for Bobby to be that main forward coming off the bench, uh, as Markinen will hold on to the starting spot. I mean, I I'm, I'm 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 excitedly curious. To see what Bobby can do with the back half of this season, we this this game against Houston marked officially the halfway point. That was game 41 of our 82 game season here. So, uh, if Nico is dealt sometime, you know, next week, uh, we're coming up on that January 15th date where he will be eligible for trade, and the talks about uh, Houston and a couple other teams, the talks about uh, Utah rather and a couple other teams are building. If he gets moved, I mean, the, Bobby Portis will have every opportunity in front of him to to prove himself and carve out because, remember, the Bulls did pick up that uh, that option on the final year of his rookie deal. So at least until next season, if it is Nico who's the one getting moved, Bobby will be around next season. Will he be able to, between the, the second half of this season and moving on into year two of the rebuild, prove himself to be a guy who the Bulls front office and the Bulls coach and Fred's coaching staff want to have around for the foreseeable future of this rebuild and I think what we've seen so far through the first 41 games well I guess you know 30 something he was suspended for eight of them but it's 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 encouraging after two kind of frustrating seasons what we've seen from Bobby this season is very encouraging
2: yeah, so just to quickly touch on the rest of what's going on in the Bulls news before we kind of shift towards our conversation with Nico Miritich and the rumors about the Utah Jazz. Um, just quickly about Zach Levine. So it's if you're a Bulls fan, you obviously know this not by now. If you've checked Twitter or anywhere on social media or you've been listening to Sports Talk Radio uh, this afternoon or this morning, you know that Zach Levine's going to return on Saturday. So it was announced by the front office that um, he's been cleared to return on Zach Levine bobblehead night uh, against Detroit. This is going to be a nice little span for Zach Levine to come back. Uh, the Bulls, I think, play what, three games at home in a three game stretch. So it'll give Zach Levine to be a little bit more comfortable coming back. They also said that they're going to put a minute restriction on him. He's only going to play around 20 minutes a night and then hopefully be uptick to about 30 minutes a night. Uh, but they want to see some steady improvement, kind of, kind of ease his way back into his return.
0: Yeah, so the bullet points here, uh, Hoiberg said at uh, uh, when he met with the media on Tuesday morning, it's going to start out with 20 minutes a night, but they plan to increase Levine's minutes after his first three games. Hoiberg also did say that he Levine will not participate in the second night of the one back-to-back the Bulls have remaining between now and the All-Star break, and uh, it is unclear as of yet whether he will be getting those twenty minutes at the start in the starting lineup or coming off the bench, Hoiberg said he hadn't made that decision yet. So, um, I, I mean, I'm very excited. I'm pretty sure all Bulls fans are excited to see what we what we have here in Levine, and I think he is going to, you know, make a point in these first few games to come out and show us what he can do. While also, as his teammate Chris Dunn said just yesterday you know, prove that he's a team player and that he's a guy who has become familiar watching this Bulls system specifically on the offensive end, how it works, and he's a guy who can take an open shot if he sees it, and he's also a smart player who will make the right pass, and we've talked about what his, immersion into this Hoiberg offense will do and potentially open up opportunities for some of his teammates. Um, You also, I mean, I'm looking forward to a big marquee game against Golden State, just uh... Uh, a week from tomorrow, next Wednesday, you wonder, you know, if Levine will kind of have a, a coming out party in that big game against the defending champs, one of the most uh, intriguing teams, most exciting teams to watch in the league. There's a lot to like about all of this. Yeah,
2: and I think something to point out with the Golden State game too is like the biggest concern about Zach Levine was him coming back in, you know, being a poor defender in his first few years. Few years in the league, um, that's been one of the main concerns, and so I, I wouldn't get a whole bent out of shape if somebody like Steph Curry or Clay Thompson. Uh, I would assume Clay Thompson's going to be the guy Zach Levine guards when he's out on the floor. If they go off for a big night, I wouldn't concern myself with it too much just because it's the second game back of Zach Levine. You know what his defensive weaknesses are. Um, so those those are going to be things that, that Zach Levine is going to have to improve on. It And maybe we'll be pleasantly surprised, too, in what he's worked on, um, not only rehabbing from his ACL injury, but also trying to improve his game as well while he had that time to work on it. So, um yeah, it, it definitely encouraging news. It's going to be a fun time to watch the Bulls, uh, especially if you've been kind of down on this team or there hasn't been one really one thing that you've really wanted to watch or pay attention to. Now, I think people with the end of football season and the Bears being pretty much done just hiring a new coach, I think people are going to start maybe to shift focus, and especially with a star like Zach Levine coming back, I think it's going to bring Bulls, especially them, for at least right now for the short term, a little bit more attention that they've maybe been receiving in Chicago lately.
0: Absolutely, and, and you know that Levine is just uh, just champing at the bit to get out there, and uh, you know, obviously conditioning will be a factor in the for, at the onset of this process, and that's probably part of the twenty minute limit uh, re- restriction that Hoiberg is going to be using. But Levine said, I if, if it was either yesterday or this morning, Levine said he was trying to get cleared to go as long as as far back as two months ago, like he felt he was ready to play two months ago. So, you know, that tells you a, he should be at this point, 100% healthy and 100% rested. And also it kind of confirms some of the things that you and I have talked about on this show, Jordan, where whether it's for the reason of not wanting to accidentally win more games than they intended to this season, and also just being very overly cautious with a guy who was the primo get in the Jimmy Butler trade and a guy you're planning on signing as a restricted free agent this summer to a maximum kind of deal, you, you don't want to take any unnecessary risks in a rebuilding season anyway. But it, you know, it, it's interesting that we, we all kind of knew that to be the common knowledge as far as the plan the Bulls front office had with Levine this season. But he said, I was ready to go two months ago. So here we are. Two months after he felt like he was ready to play, we're going to get to see him play. You can't imagine how excited he is, and and Bulls fans should be excited to see him play.
2: Before we get to the Nico Lumiertic-Utah Jazz sort of conversation, let's uh, do our weekly segment here. We didn't do it last week, but let's do it this week here, so a... Look back at Bulls history. So this week in review, so in Bulls history, um, Matt, I've got one good one for us to start off here, and then you can jump in as well. So I've got a game that dates back to January 10th, 2015 against the Milwaukee Bucks, so relatively recently. But I thought it was a notable game, just not only from a standpoint that uh, this was one year that Giannis wasn't starting or he wasn't getting legit minutes, um, the minutes that he's obviously getting with the Bucks now. But I, I think the one thing to point out when looking back at this game was Pau Gasol played nearly 40 minutes in this game. And this was uh, the last year that Tom Thibodeau was around and Pau Gasol p- g- scored 46 points. He had 18 rebounds in this game. And a Bulls victory that ended in 95 87 at home against the Milwaukee Bucks. But I thought it was ridiculous. I
0: remember that one. That was just, str- I mean, talk about a. Turn back the clock performance from Papa Pow. That was a game that the Bulls played without Rose, if right. I rem- remember correctly. So
2: it was Kirk Heinrich yeah. and Tony Snell Joe um, Joakim Noah, Jimmy Butler, and Pau Gasol. But Pau Gasol and Jimmy Butler, taking the bulk of the minutes, both of those guys played all but uh, seven minutes in this game and to try to pull off that win. But it was a class- classic Tom Thibodeau move, is like keeping all of his starters in there. And obviously Taj and Aaron Brooks. He had, he always I, I always didn't understand this the, his fascination with Aaron Brooks either. Um, I know he's playing with the Timberwolves now Aaron Brooks I think he's with the Timberwolves now and with Tom Thibodeau too but I never understood his fascination with Aaron Brooks I always thought he thought way higher and way more of Aaron Brooks than he actually was as a player but that's just my personal opinion
0: I mean Brooks is what definitely one of those you know guard guys you bring off the bench you can get hot Um, he kind of played that similar role back in his in his days with the Houston Rockets and I mean he had those nights for the Bulls where he could come in and get hot sp- specifically behind the three point line. He could also be crafty finding his you know, his ways to, you know, duck a weave through small spaces and get to the rack for some layups here and there. Uh, but he was kind of you know of all of those scrappy backup guards that existed in the in the Tibbs years, you know it, it was Nate Robinson one season, it was DJ Augustine another season, and I think Aaron Brooks of all of them was kind of the one that I was never you know I, I was the least high on Aaron Brooks because he could also take some shots that drove. Yeah, the he reminds me brain. of
2: like. It was, like, a repeat of, like, Nate Robinson and uh, John Lucas III. Like, these guys... That, oh, I,
0: I love little baby John Lucas. Um, who
2: else, To oh CJ Watson. God. Those were all, like, the same type of players. Tom Thibodeau loved having come off the bench, especially in that guard position. Because, you know, the one common theme between all of those guys is, like, none of those guys saw a shot that they didn't like to take. And they were immediately going to go out on the floor and just... Throw up shots and on nights, what you're talking about, like some of them would get hot and you would see guys go off for like 15, 20 points and 15, 20 minutes off the bench. So, yeah, but I, I just, I was never a big Aaron Brooks guy, but I thought this game was cool just because this was a resurgence for Pau Gasol in terms of his career. And this was like one of his career games, 46 points in a win where the Bulls didn't even score 100 points. So it's pretty Absolutely. crazy. Absolutely.
0: All right. Um, I'll take it all the way back here to January 8th, 1987. Uh, this game was played actually just a couple more couple months before I was born um, MJ holy crap we're gonna put uh, I'll, I'll throw the uh, the MJ highlights from this game up uh, on our Twitter account Jordan poured in 53 points on this night. Uh, he got help with his old pal Charles Oakley chipping in a double double with 16 points and 16 boards. But MJ, 20 of 34 from the field. Obviously, these were the MJ and the Jordanaires years before, um, you know, before Pippen and Grant came along to kind of help carry the load. 34 shots, <laughs> 34 shots. MJ oh pours in 53 points against a, a, a pretty darn good. Trailblazers team. Uh, the Blazers were 21-14 and 14 at this point in the season. Of course, they had Clyde the Glide Drexler. He poured in 23 points in this game. Kiki Vandeway, there is a blast from the past, uh, had 35 to lead the Trailblazers. Of course, that's a uh, an earlier version of a team that the Bulls would meet in the NBA Finals in 1992. Um, that's a great one. Another one from the Jordan years that I found here. Uh, the 95-96 season. On January tenth, ninety-six, the Bulls beat Kemp, Gary the Glove, and the Seattle SuperSonics one thirteen to eighty-seven. This was a great revenge game for the Bulls because, of course, in this great epic seventy-two and ten season, the Bulls one of the, the their second loss of the year came at Seattle, um, and the Bulls got their revenge here at home in this one and just absolutely smoked. Uh, the Sonics. Uh Jordan led him with thirty-five. Pippin chipped in twenty-nine. Pippen got hot from downtown, sank five threes in this game. And little Stevie Kerr had ten points off the bench. Yeah,
2: don't uh don't be surprised too, just quickly about the supersonics, don't be surprised if there is an NBA team back in Seattle before twenty twenty. Just throwing that out there. There's been a lot of legislation that's being passed and a lot of money being funded. To try and get that arena back up in. I think they're trying to do, they just passed a bill for like over a hundred million dollars in renovations to get that arena back up and going. And I'm pretty sure they want to bring a hockey team eventually up into Seattle and they could do that if they bring the Supersonics there too. And I think a lot of people have been calling for Seattle to get a team again uh, before that they moved to OKC. And it would be kind of disappointing for the Supersonics in terms of, yeah, they left town right when Kevin Durant was there and sort of shifted that superstardom that they could have had in Seattle so I'd be a little bit salty if I was in Seattle if I was up in Seattle when I was a basketball fan and was a Supersonics fan before they moved uh but getting a team back in the NBA that'd be pretty cool
0: uh, yeah I absolutely think Seattle needs to have an NBA team again I mean I'm like those were some great fun teams to watch when it was you know Gary uh Gary Payton and Sean Kemp and uh of course that was uh the the team that the Bulls faced in the 96 finals beating them in six games um but yeah, you're right, Jordan. I mean, like I, I felt so bad for the Seattle uh, fan base. You know, they get this amazing kid from Texas and KD, who looks like he is going to become one of those upper echelon stars in the NBA, and and they just get uprooted. And at the same time, on the other side of that coin, you, I don't know about you, Jordan, but I, it to me, it's very clear, and I have great admiration for it. Like the the strength and the amount of passion that exists for the OKC Thunder fan base. I mean, those fans are crazy. They pack that stadium every night. Obviously, they've been starving for a title and their hearts were broken when Durant left. But they, I mean, they would, I'm pretty sure most anybody in the city of uh, Oklahoma City would take a bullet for Russell Westbrook. Like, absolutely. Like, those fans are, you talk about Bulls fans being some of the most dedicated fans in basketball. I mean, I I would put Thunder fans right there. Like, 1A and 1B
2: oklahoma football and it's oklahoma city basketball so yeah i think that's right too and so it'll be interesting dynamic as the nba shifts and see kind of maybe if they add some teams and i would imagine seattle would be on the top of that list all right so let's get to the let's get to what everybody wants to listen to is so uh We had our discussion with the Western Conference teams yesterday, just kind of diving into what Niko Miritich uh, would attract and what fan bases think of Niko Miritich, and I thought it was a cool discussion that a Reddit user on the Chicago Bulls the Red, had brought up, and so we kind of dove into every Western Conference team, and this was right at the end of the show when we were recording that there was news that Utah was interested in Niko Miritich, that there were serious talks going on, and that even that there was reports that Niko Miritich was interested in in joining Utah, so... Let's dive into this. So we both listened to David Locke, who hosts Locked On Jazz. He's the play-by-play announcer for the Utah Jazz on the Jazz Radio Network. So he had some interesting takes about what's... Utah would be willing to give up in order to get Nico Miritich, how this deal would break down and whether or not this is really feasible for both teams to do. And there was a couple of sticking points that I thought were biggest. And the biggest one that I have to start off with is the fact that the Bulls are asking for an expired contract. So we know this Bulls are asking for expired contract. They don't want any more deals on, you know, no, no deals that in term hold them down through 2018, the end of 2018. They also want a first-round pick. So those are two deterrents, and it doesn't sound like Utah might be in that position to give something up like that, a value up like that.
0: No. I mean, it really—so the 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 name, the three names that uh, Locke mentioned in his episode of Locked on Jazz this morning are Alec Burks, Derek Favors, and the old Wiley vet Joe Johnson. <clears throat> those three guys have contracts— this season, salaries this season that essentially match Nico's are very close to him.
1: They would have to be deciding they want Fave instead of Robin Lopez. I don't know if they're going to decide that. So that leads me to believe that Fave's not getting it done, right? It matches beautifully on numbers, but Robin Lopez has another year left on his deal. Um, you know, you can just go trade Mirotic at 12.5 for Fave's at 12, and and that's nice, but they want to, you know, they they may not want that. They, Fave doesn't have, they have Robin Lopez. So Faves may not have any value. So the next name is AB, because that just matches salary-wise. We're just walking down the Jazz salary list. But that has another year on their contract. They don't want that. So the next one's Joe Johnson. They're not on a playoff run, so they have no value of that. So they, the question then gets to be on all of these, whether it's AB, Joe Johnson, or Derek Favors, only picking those three because those are the salaries that match. Miritich's 12.5. Is are you willing to give a first-round pick?
0: Of those three, Alec Burks has another remaining deal, uh, um, another remaining year on his current contract for 2018-19 season uh, around the same amount of $11 million. And from what we've heard from Vincent Goodwill, among others, is that the Bulls are not interested in taking on that additional year of Alec Burks' contract, whereas Favors... And Joe Johnson are both on expiring deals and will become free agents in, in the summer of 2018. So those two might have more of a allure from the Bulls front office perspective because they can essentially just bring in one or either of the either of those guys as a half season loaner and let them walk and will not have any more of their money tied down to either of those players moving forward. Of course, you know, again, it's always that phrase, cap flexibility. That's what Gar and Pax keep talking about. So the other thing that David Locke said was of those three players, you know, if if the Bulls don't want to take on Alec Burke's uh, you know, remaining deal, remaining year next season, favors or Joe Johnson, are you willing to send either of those guys and a first round pick to Chicago? To get Nico Miritich, because that's what the Bulls front office wants. They want a expiring deal and a first round pick. And David Locke, at least from his perspective, said,
1: "I, I don't, I don't think so. I don't know. I mean, not without a lot of protections, we, we, we're on the verge of, right now. If the season ends, we're a lottery team." Maybe it's only a 3% chance that goes to the top three, but you can't bypass that 3% chance for Miritich. He's not that good. So the talks are going on. That is accurate. The communication has happened. That is accurate. That's just everybody doing their job. The likelihood of it happening when you get into the reality of how you're going to get a deal done, honestly, I don't see the answer.
2: Yeah, and that's why I'm wondering if this is sort of a play, especially for it to be leaked out to the media that there are serious talks going on. Not only that Nico would want—that has interest in playing in Utah— but also maybe this is a little bit of a leverage point. So we're getting to that sticking point. That Monday is the day where Nico can be traded officially traded. January fifteenth. This is the deadline that we've been talking about for two two months. So I wonder if this is leverage, or just pushing out there, maybe getting other some other teams involved, and for the Bulls to try and sort of weigh options. And I think in terms of whether or not this may be true or not, but whether or not any other team is willing to give up a first-round pick in order to acquire Niko Miritich. So we had talked about other teams that could possibly be throwing that in there. And I think a, a sticking point, too, to talk about a deal, if the Bulls aren't interested in getting Alec Burks, and you know maybe, Derek, maybe Utah thinks Derek Favors is worth more than giving up him and a first-round pick. I can't see them wanting to do that either. I, I have a feeling that Utah values Derek Favors way more th- than just unloading him plus a first-round pick because also talk about the first-round pick. The, if the season ended today, the the Utah Jazz are in the lottery. And so obviously if, if Utah is going to send a guy like somebody like Derek Favors over it's going to be heavy protection on that pick if they're sending over somebody like if the Bulls agree that okay we'll deal with the, with the idea that we have to keep Alec Burks here for another year for next year on top of that I feel like that could play into a factor of leverage of whether or not that first-round pick ends up having protections on it. I think if you go out and try to package a guy like Derek Favors who's expiring, there's going to be a lot heavier protections on that pick, that Utah pick than maybe the Bulls are are looking for right now. I think ultimately if the Bulls want to compensate here, you, you take on that Alec Burks contract, you lessen the protections on that first-round pick, and then it also gives you an option to go and really shop Justin Holiday. See if you can shop Justin Holiday around. You have Alec Burks for another year. You can play him off the bench. <laughs> see what Justin Holliday's value out there, or maybe even see what you can flip for Alec Burks if there's anything out there at all that any other team might have an interest in having him around for the next year or two.
0: Yeah, and I think another thing that Bulls fans can be wondering about right now is whether or not recent history will determine whether, uh, you know... It, the level at which the Bulls are willing to negotiate within terms of having restrictions on a pick that Utah or any other team may send to them. Because we we finally, not not that long ago, got through to the conclusion of the pick that was due to us from the Luol Deng trade all those years ago. That took forever. It was a big, long headache, and it essentially eventually netted... 3.5 million dollars right like that's what happened there um so that was a big long headache you wonder if the bulls don't really want to do that also something to think about is that when they were in talks about a jimmy butler trade to multiple teams whether it was boston whether it was minnesota uh i mean you know whether it was at the deadline in the past two seasons or on draft night the past two seasons the bulls absolutely refused to bring in picks that had protections on them and maybe it's a a little bit of a different situation a different circumstance because in that case you're talking about Jimmy Butler a star player and you're trying as the Bulls front office to get a top tier lottery pick for him and you don't want protections you know like a, a top three or a top five protection whereas here with Nico the, you know the specifics of that protection are probably different as you mentioned like right now Utah is kind of a bottom of the barrel lottery team so those protections might be different. but again our, our colleague David Locke suggested that the the most likely way that he sees a deal happening between the Bulls and Utah for Nico is if some sort of protections protections exist on that first round pick. He said that to me that's the only way I can justify making this trade if I'm the Jazz front office.
2: So if I'm the Bulls front office and I really really want that first round pick and there's this inclination that if Utah ends up getting Nico Miritich, it's obviously going to make them better. They're playing without their star. Their star player is still playing injured in Rudy Gobert. If Donovan Mitchell can figure out a way to continue to be consistent like he has been and dropping Nico Miritich and his offensive production into that lineup. um, It's something that's that maybe you look at Utah and saying, all right, if if Nico's dropped into that lineup, they're probably not going to get anywhere between one through three. That would be the hope. If you can find a way to get Utah and maybe to only protect it one through three, maybe you do the deal. Um, I don't know. How about what about if the Bulls included New Orleans second round pick? What if they were able to trade that, including with Nico? Would you do that? Would you would you say, okay, in order for there to be no protections on this first-round pick, you got to give us a second-round pick on top of Nico. Would you do that? Would the front office do
0: that? I, I Yeah, probably. I mean, we all know that Gar Foreman does not value second-round draft picks, like, at all. Trades them away constantly. If the Bulls could get a first-round draft pick From Utah without any restrictions on it, and in turn sent them Nico and their 2018 second round pick that's due to them from New Orleans. Yeah, I think I'd do that.
2: What I don't want the Bulls to do is end up in a deal like something as follows. So you get an expiring contract, whether it be, I don't know, Joe Johnson or Derek Favors. And then Utah throws in something like Dante Exum in a second round pick. I don't want anything to do with that. We already have one point guard that you traded for that's hurt on the bench and pretty much useless. Dante Exum coming into the league, he was the top five pick. He was the fifth fifth overall pick uh, for Utah, but he's had major shol- soldiers sold. He's had major shoulder surgery, and he's also had an ACL s- surgery too. He's torn his ACL, and he's only twenty two years old. So. I don't know if I want to play play with the idea that the Bulls, if, if Utah doesn't want to give up a first-round pick, that they try to make this deal work and they go get like Dante Exum, who's like a half a player right now, and then they throw in a second-round pick. I don't think that does it for me either, and I think you can find better value for probably Nico around the league, and maybe that plays into some of the leverage that the Bulls front office will have coming down the stretch.
0: Yeah, and that's, that's where Bulls fans need to be hoping that Gar Foreman – can actually use whatever leverage he, actually, he he might have at his in his corner right now because the Jazz are very very much so interested like the the talks between the Bulls and the Jazz are happening they they aren't very far along in those talks but they're engaged mark stein Earlier today, said that the Detroit Pistons are also in communication and interested in Nico. Casey Johnson confirmed that, and Casey Johnson added on to that, saying Portland is another team that could be in mix in the mix. And Jordan, you and I discussed on yesterday's show the the various ways in which the Bulls and the the Trailblazers could could formulate some sort of Nico deal, and a lot of different ways that they could go about doing that. So, if there is some sort of you know half baked. Nico bidding war at Gar's fingertips right now. For please, for the love of God, execute it well. <laughs> like, don't screw this up. If if you actually have three teams interested in Nico all of a sudden, when really just last year, when he was a restricted free agent, and the Bulls said, Bring us an offer from someone else, and we'll most likely match it. And Nico brought them zero offers. No one in the NBA wanted Nico Miritich last summer. No one. Zip, zero, nada. Now all of a sudden you have three teams at least mildly interested. If you can maybe you know, do a little bit of fancy footwork, Gar, I know that's asking a lot from you, but make it, you know, you have this thing that people want all of a sudden. Use that to your advantage get that first round pick that you say you are determined to get for Nico which by the way if the bulls somehow do pull this off and get some kind of first round draft pick i don't i don't even whether it's you know uh, in the bottom of the lottery or if it's you know late first round if they get any first round draft pick for nico after the zero interest expressed in nico as a free agent last summer you have to say job well done by the bulls front office
2: So let's run through the Eastern Conference teams as we kind of wrap up the show, too, just to kind of give you an option. Obviously, Utah being out there is one of the feelers. We had talked about that on the show yesterday. Also, teams that we had mildly discussed, including, like, the Suns, a deal to the Suns or a deal to the Trailblazers. Let's run through the Eastern Conference teams as we kind of wrap up the show. I want to get the teams that are obviously out of the discussion right off the bat. So the Atlanta Hawks, obviously, no. Not going to be a player in that they're tanking as well. Uh, The Cleveland Cavaliers, no, no either. I mean, there would be obviously no room for them to make a deal unless the Bulls did a three-way deal with another team, but they wouldn't even be the team acquiring Nico Miritich. So let's, we we can scratch them off. Um, you can scratch the Pacers off. There has been really no inkling that the Pacers would want to co- acquire Nico. I don't think they really have anything the Bulls would want either. Um, the Knicks, no, for obvious reasons. Kristaps Porzingis being there. And also, too, as I'm running through these teams, keep in mind that Nico wants to be a starter somewhere, too. So keep that in mind as, as you're... As as you're thinking about teams and possible traits. Nico doesn't want to come off the bench like he's doing for the Bulls. He's doing to play nice right now with the Bulls, so the Bulls maybe can move him to a team that's competing. I think if he, unless he's going to Golden State or Cleveland, yeah, I would imagine he's not coming off the bench. So keep that in mind as we're running through these teams. Uh, Orlando Magic obviously not being another player too. So um, some teams that have kind of had some discussions about it, but not a whole lot there. Um, Charlotte's who has, who fans for some reason think Frank Commissar, He's already better than Nico Miritich, which, I mean, Frank Kaminsky from being Chicago and Ariasar, he's not better than Nico is right now. So check them off the list. Um, The Detroit Pistons, who also had some kind of maybe an idea that maybe Nico and Tobias Harris could play together and be some sort of formidable fit. The only thing that was even thrown out there from the fans in Detroit was a straight up package for John Louir, and no thank you for that if that's all you're going to get for Nico so obviously check them off all right so let's go to the three teams that I actually had surprised I was surprised by and teams that I think the Bulls could play leverage to if they actually are interested and so that's the Wizards the Bucks and also the Nets so I want to go to the Nets first and the Nets, obviously, with trading all their picks away and obviously having to sort of play to the now factor that they're going to try to to develop some of their young guys, develop this young core, maybe be a little bit competitive while they don't have any picks. So they're not really playing to tank. They want to win right now. So if you're trying to go out and get Nico Miritich for a, a, a Nets team, that could be a, a nice stretch for I was thinking in terms of the Bulls could take on an expiring contract or a contract that's large and they want to get out of in terms of like a guy like Damari Carroll. And now do uh, is Brooklyn willing to attach their Toronto Raptors pick in 2018, which right now would be the 28th pick in the draft? Are they willing to attach that? Are they willing to attach a young guy, maybe like Jarrett Allen, which we talked about if the Bulls had the 16th pick, maybe him being a possibility. Um, so I, I think the Nets are an interesting spot and the Bulls, if, if the Nets are interested in Nico Mirrott could be an interesting team to try to formulate a deal for especially with this expiring contracts or large contracts to trying to get out of
0: yeah and i mean the you know, brooklyn's draft pick situation is a giant cluster right now because of the various trades they've you know they've executed in recent years and you mentioned the the Toronto pick that they have coming their way in 2018 they also have second round pick from Indiana coming in 2018 they have a second round pick from either Orlando or the Lakers in 2018 so either of those could be pretty high up in the second round uh, they and they got a 2019 second rounder coming from New York they also have some of their own second rounders going out in upcoming years uh, and they also of course are giving their 2018 first-round pick to Cleveland. But, I mean, there are you know, a lot of interesting ways that the Bulls could scrape a pick or two away from Brooklyn in a potential deal there. But to me, you know, as as interesting as it may sound to say, like, well, you know, you could get multiple second-round picks, and I know Bulls fans roll their eyes at how, low, how lowly Gar values those second-round picks. It, I mean, we keep hearing... They want a first round pick for Nico. They are determined is the the phrase that we've heard today. They are determined to get a first round pick for Nico. To me, that kind of eliminates Brooklyn as a potential candidate and unless you're talking about a, a first round pick down the road, but I think what the Bulls want is a first round pick in the 2018 draft.
2: And that makes sense. And so that would be something like you would have to find out what Brooklyn's trying to get rid of. And obviously, the the names that come up aren't what Bull, the Bulls have stated that they want to do, is in that they want an expiring contract. And even if you're playing with the idea that even if a guy has one more year on his deal, that might be even pulling the Bulls a little bit too far. So guys like Damari Carroll, and I, I think Brooklyn likes Jeremy Lin, so I don't think they would move him.
0: Um and honestly, I mean, like, if, if Brooklyn's fan base saw that their front office give away a, another first round draft pick to get Nico Miritich, I mean, they might just dissolve that franchise altogether. Like, I, I just don't see that happening. No way, after everything Brooklyn's been through in recent years, are they going to give away a first round draft pick? so that they can acquire one Niko Miritich. Like, I I just don't see it.
2: Yeah, and that's just kind of like, where where does Brooklyn sit? Are they trying to compete right now? And is that something that they would be willing to go out and get? And they'd have Niko for two years, and that could be sort of a staple in their lineup? I'm not really sure. I I think it just in terms of what the Bulls could get from him. if, If Brooklyn is interested... I think there's there's a couple different pieces. Like, if, if the Bulls are willing to take on a guy like Jarrett Allen, who's a young center, and Brooklyn's willing to part ways with him because they just picked up Jaleel Okafor, and they've got Nick Stauskas from that deal, and they've got Timothy Mozgov, who's still going to be here for another two years, there's not really a place for Jarrett Allen to really grow. And I think... If the Bulls can, if they would get like a second round pick, Damari Carroll and Jared Allen, maybe I do that deal. And that's that's saying that no other team in the NBA is willing to give the Bulls a first round pick. That's something to look at. So,
0: right, and, and maybe that's the case. Maybe the Bulls never find that uh, that offer of a first rounder anywhere, and then it's okay. Well, we're still determined to move Nico, so we take what we can get. Jared Allen is an interesting idea. I I, I mean, I really liked what I saw from him in his one year at Texas. Kid's still young. He's not even twenty years old yet. Um, you know, has had a, a little bit of a rough integration his rookie year, and you know that Brooklyn team is kind of a mess right now. But I, t- I, you know, you talk about a, a, a kid worth investing some time and trying to develop. He's got, you know, he's got a lot of the the tangibles that you want. And, well, we even
2: talked about it back when we were talking about the draft analysis. I said that, like, if the yeah. Bulls had the 16th pick, I would want them to take Jared Allen if he had if, slipped that if, far. If,
0: yeah, if if they had stayed at 16 and he had fallen to 16, I mean, he like he fell all the way to 22. That's where Brooklyn took him uh, in in the 2017 draft. I would have been okay with them. To, you know, depending who else was there at 16, I would have been okay with the Bulls taking Allen there. And, uh, you know, especially now you think about the fact that Lopez, he may make it through this trade deadline, especially if the Bulls are in fact making Nico their priority. And the fact that they value Lopez's leadership so highly, he's still not a long term part of the rebuild. He's not a long term part of the plan. And what the hell is going on with Felicio? So, like, you, you don't really have a solution at center right now. And I know that's not usually teams' first uh, priority and their first worry when it comes to filling out their roster. But if you have nothing else and you can't get a first-round pick from anybody, sure, why not take Jared Allen and see if he turns into something?
2: And so that's interesting. That's why I, like, I feel like Brooklyn's just a team that you could pick and play. So if, if they don't want to give up Jared Allen, if they think that he he's worth more than if he's worth more than maybe a twenty eight pick in this upcoming draft, then maybe they keep him and then you get your first round pick. There you go. But it'll be I think it'll come down to understanding that this could play into the Bulls factor. And that's why I like the fact that maybe a young center like that could play alongside Lowry Markin and you could develop him. He's got he he's Athletic out of he like flies out of the gym talking about athletics and, and length. If you go back and watch his tape from Texas, like there's some ridiculous he had the dunk of the year in college basketball when he played last oh year in, against West Virginia, Ooh. where like literally his yeah. arm was above the backboard. So yeah, okay, so Brooklyn, interesting spot. I think it, there was one other thing, too, real quick, I just wanted to note that fans had put him in according to uh there was fans discussing about him being a top wishlist candidate. So maybe maybe somebody that the Bulls have discussions with uh, coming up. So, all right, let's get to the last two teams as we wrap up this episode. Um, let's talk about the Milwaukee Bucks. Obviously, the Milwaukee Bucks being an interesting spot for Iniko they there. They've been kind of floundering, and it's been sort of embarrassing what the Bucks have done over the last two or three weeks. They haven't been playing up to the potential. They want to win now. We talked about Robin Lopez being maybe a piece that uh, the Bucks like, and they certainly are interested in him, but um, from, what, from what this Reddit user got from the Bucks fan page is they're only willing to give up guys like John Henson in a straight-up deal, which if I'm the Bulls, I wouldn't do something like that. Uh, there's also something like Rashad Vaughn and Mirza Teletovich, and I don't know if I'm a fan of that either so Milwaukee might be somebody you look at as a possible landing spot and a discussion for Robin Lopez rather than Nico Miritic. it just doesn't seem like they have what the Bulls are asking for right now
0: yeah they really don't I don't I don't see it I mean you mentioned uh Mirza Teletovich. I mean he's he's 32 years old and he's basically Nico like they, yeah. they do a lot of the same things. Like their contracts match up for the most part. Tolevich is that making would ten point five in. million right now uh, this season. Um, so that that's your dump in. But I, I, to, to me, if I'm the Bulls front office, I I don't see myself gaining anything from that. And
2: yeah, and I'm not doing it. It would be basically a straight up trade for Rashad Vaughn, and I'm not doing that either.
0: Yeah, and you know that Milwaukee's still trying to add young pieces to build around the Greek Freak, who still isn't even in his prime yet, which is insane when you think about how many seasons he's already been playing and the strides that he's taken. But you know, I I don't see the the, the Bucks giving the Bulls a first round pick either. Oh, and and by the way, Milwaukee's 2018 first rounder is due to Phoenix. It's protected it's protected 1 through 10 and 17 through 30 um but may, i mean maybe maybe it's uh that like the the bucks could land somewhere in there 10 to 17 that's possible and also a
2: discussion too maybe maybe in terms of acquiring robin lopez you could toss Jabari Parker's name out there, too. We've talked about it a lot when talking about trades to Milwaukee and what they're going to do with Jabari Parker, but I don't know if I'm ready to acquire a guy that's going to be a restricted free agent and probably you know, there's going to be teams that'll spend money out there on Jabari Parker and I don't really want the Bulls spending a whole lot of money on two guys this offseason that have had devastating injuries in the past. I know they're young pieces. Jabari Parker's from Chicago. I get it. I get it. I get it, but I don't want the Bulls having to play around with the idea of having to match a salary for Jabari Parker or letting him walk for basically no. nothing. So
0: no, a- absolutely not. So
2: last team, Washington Wizards. Um, it's been interesting there. There was a, a three-way trade thrown out there. There was some interest about Robin Lopez, but Nico, I feel like for the Wizards would be a, a pretty solid fit, and the Bull them having to having two contracts that you probably want to dump Yan Mahini and Marcin Gortat. Um, so they also have Kelly Oubre who I talked about and I said if the Bulls don't get a first round pick from Washington then you go and tra- you, you have to include guy like Kelly Oubre in that pick, uh, in that trade. So Washington would be an interesting spot just because of all the, the contracts that they maybe want to get out underneath from. But then it goes back to playing to the factor of what do the Bulls really want? Are they really going to be willing to get, to take on Yan Mahini for another year? year uh, at 17 million dollars a year I am not sure if they're they're even considering that Um, but it would be another center that could come in and play instead of a Cristiano Felicio who can't even see time on the floor in an NBA floor and if you remove Robin Lopez then you have something to at least throw in there for right now so Washington could be an interesting spot for Nico Miritich as well
0: yeah I mean I think it makes a little bit more sense than Milwaukee or Brooklyn Um, but you mentioned Mahinmi. you know that's an interesting one I mean I, I I was shocked when I went back and, and just checked up on him and realized that he's 31. Like, I did not think that he was that old already. but he's Yeah, and he's not very good he, either. No, I mean, he's kind of always been like a role-player guy. And, uh, you know, he's he's been on, uh, you know, a handful of teams, uh, spent some time in Dallas and then Indiana for a handful of seasons, now in Washington uh, for his second season with the Wizards. I was like, but, you know, it just surprised me. I was like, holy crap, Mahimi's been in the league for nine years um as you said I mean I I don't know if it really does anything for the pools you know if if you're moving on from Lopez, you're just kind of replacing one veteran center with another um all things considered I'd rather have Lopez I'd rather just have you know have him for the remainder of the year because he's a great leader and he is all you know also like a funny guy like he's great media content um because he just got he, he's and you a great know what personality you're getting to. yeah and, and you know
2: you know what you're getting on the floor with him too and with Mahinmi you would have to deal with the unbearable play for Mahinmi and like his time's already passed he had the, his best year in Dallas he came to the Pacers was disappointing with the Pacers he lost his job to Miles Turner once they drafted Miles Turner he came back from the, his injury so Mahinmi like he would he, they would have to include a first round pick or Kelly Oubre and that might not even be enough to, to get it done for the Bulls because they don't want an, a non-expiring contract that's why I would say like yeah if you had to pick between the two guys like Robin Lopez you know what you're going to get from him you're going to get a decent offensive player a guy that's going to rebound for you a guy that's going to be a leader for you in the locker room and the Bulls like Robin Lopez so um, if he doesn't get moved into deal to Washington I think that's that it would make sense that the Bulls would have to get a a decent asset on top of Mahimi or Gortat yeah
0: and um, just as far as a, a quick update on where the war uh, the, the wizards are with their draft pick situation they don't have any incoming picks as of right now from other teams and they've got some outgoing second round picks in 2019 2020 and 2021 uh, and as of right now with their record of what what are they 23 and 17 they're kind of you know right there in the middle of the playoff picture in the east and 28th or 20, 22nd 23rd in the draft right now. Uh, for for a first yeah, round, yeah, they'd pick. have the twenty third pick, so yeah, you know, maybe something that they'd be willing to give up. But again, like you know, they're they're like you know they have John Wall and Bradley Beal, two players who are both still in their prime, and they're trying to be contenders. Uh, you know, it's it's it hasn't really gone all that well for them in recent years. But to me, uh, does adding Nico to their team make them significantly better than? Seeing what they can find in this year's draft, I don't know. You know, it's, it, to me that's a toss-up.
2: I think you can play well with John Wall and two. Also, throw Otto Porter's name in there too. Otto Porter, Bradley Beal, and John Wall plus you add Nico Miritich to that i think that'd be pretty interesting for washington i think nico Miritich would probably get the best out of john wall and john wall would get the best out of nico Miritich, and you would add another shooter and another offensive front i think that would help nico a lot he might not he might not see as much production in terms of like volumes of shots but i think nico Miritich would absolutely help Washington spread out the floor um sort of alleviates the the pressure that is on Bradley Beal and John Wall to be the, the scoring front for Washington so I think in in a couple moves I think Nico Mirtich could help and also let's let's not downplay the factor too as we wrap up here. Let's not downplay the factor of Nico Miritich's contract I know we we griped and groaned that he made only tw- that he made 12 million this year he's going to make what 13 million next year that we griped and groaned that the bulls paid him that much. And he was asking for 16 to 20 million over the offseason. So in terms of a playoff team or a team that's trying to compete now over the next two years, this is not a terrible contract for a team. And if Nico continues to play at the highest level, like he is right now, you know, that that doesn't turn out to be that bad of a contract for a playoff team.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it, it certainly, there are worse contracts that exist in the league after that spending spree two summers ago. Um, but I I mean, I still don't think that Nico is is worth 60 million dollars a year. Maybe if he plays the way he's played in the past couple of months consistently, maybe. but um you know from Washington's perspective, yeah, yeah, they're going to be a playoff team this year, but still to me, if you're in the East, you're you're a middling team if you're not the team that has LeBron James and you're not the Boston Celtics. Like, the Celtics have a very talented young core that could be the team that takes over the conference in coming years when LeBron declines or goes west. Other than that, like, you know, if, if, he, if you're Washington, no offense to Bradley Beal and John Wall, you're a great duo. You know, one of the, arguably one of the better backcourt tandems in the NBA right now. It's irrelevant. Adding Nico Miritich to your duo of Beal and Wall, still you remain irrelevant. Because Boston is getting stronger by the day, and LeBron James isn't getting any weaker. So to me, like that has to figure into the front office minds of teams like Washington, a team like Toronto, teams who say, Hey, we're like we're a playoff team of the East. Yeah, whoopty friggin' do. You're not winning anything.
2: Well, that's good to do it here on Locked on Bulls. You can follow us on Twitter, on social media, at Locked on Bulls, at Bulls underscore Peck, and at Jordan C. Malley on Facebook. Search Locked on Bulls. Like us over there to keep update with all the content that we're producing. Every episode, a fresh episode every single day. We're on Dash Radio Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central Time on the Nothing But Net channel. Download the Dash Radio app. It's free radio, free radio app. 24-7, 365 of basketball on the Nothing But Net channel. We'll be back tomorrow with a fresh episode. Hopefully you enjoyed these two segments and these two breakdowns of the Western Conference and Eastern Conference teams. Obviously, we keep you up to date if anything breaks with Nico Miritich in the next coming days, but hopefully you're excited to see Zach Levine, too, in the coming days as well. We'll be back tomorrow with a fresh episode. For Jordan and Matt, we're out. Have a great night.
1: Locked on Bulls, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. Locked on Bulls is live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, starting at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central. For more content and to stay up to date, head over to LockedOnBulls.com, part of FanRag Sports.